Welcome to Creative Biolabs. We provide reliable oncolytic virus therapy development services for clients globally. Our service covers all aspects from virus engineering, cell biology, to animal testing. We have archived professional academic reports and the latest scientific progress on oncolytic virus therapy by making it into a podcast column. You can subscribe us to follow the latest updates on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Biolabs, another podcast on the oncolytic virus. Efficient treatment of cancer is what the medical community has been looking for. In recent years, with the development of technologies, cancer treatment is no longer limited to traditional methods, such as surgery and chemotherapy. Many have given hope to immunotherapy. Among them, oncolytic virus with its excellent characteristics has gradually become the focus. Today, we have invited Jensen to our program. Jensen and his team have been working on the area of immunotherapy, in particular, oncolytic viruses, for many years. It's great to have you here today, Jensen. Thanks for inviting me. To begin, what would you like to tell us about oncolytic viruses? Oncolytic virus can infect normal cells and tumor cells, but it will not replicate in normal cells, and normal cells will not be damaged. But it can selectively replicate in tumor cells, and eventually cause tumor cells to split. The released virus will infect other tumor cells, and the split tumor fragments will cause the body's immune response speed up the removal of tumors. How does the oncolytic virus mediate its anti-tumor activity? There are two main ways. One is that oncolytic viruses selectively replicate in tumor cells, leading to tumor lysis. The other is that they destroy the tumor microenvironment through the necrosis of tumor cells and induce systemic anti-tumor immune response through the immune system. I get that oncolytic viruses can damage tumor cells. But how exactly do they eradicate tumors in the body? Theoretically, it's based on the second method I just mentioned, by destroying the tumor microenvironment through the necrosis of tumor cells. When tumor cells are melted by the oncolytic virus, we can see that because tumor cells are not programmed for apoptosis and death, but programmed for necrosis and death, they will release cytokines or produce tumor-related anti-original promoting adaptive immune activities. But remember, these are just, you know, all theoretical mechanisms, and we need more experiments to really confirm this theory. How can we detect the therapeutic effect of oncolytic virus on tumors? Well, we can observe the state of tumor cells in vitro, before and after they are infected with the oncolytic virus. In addition, we can use experimental animals like mice to observe how the disease progresses after they are treated with oncolytic virus-related drugs. Besides in vitro culture of tumor cell lines in animal models and before the clinical trials, is there another model to detect the activity of the oncolytic virus? Like to be more closely related to patients without actually testing on patients. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've looked at a lot of models, and we found that malignant ascites of tumor patients is a valuable material 
that is very easy to obtain and can truly reflect the patient's condition. Malignant ascites often appear in advanced stage of solid malignant tumors, especially in gastrointestinal and gynecological tumors. The degree of tumor progression and individual differences are different. Some malignant ascites can be alleviated or disappeared, and a considerable number of patients can produce a serious amount of ascites. The presence of malignant ascites is a serious prognostic factor and is associated with significant incidence rate, leading to abdominal pain, anorexia, nausea, vomiting, and respiratory problems. Why does malignant tumor cause ascites? Could you tell me a little bit about the mechanism? Human malignant ascites fluid is the fluid accumulated in the peritoneal cavity due to the spread of cancer in the peritoneum. And there are several reasons that malignant tumors cause ascites. If the cancer cells cause lymphatic vessels blockage, vascular thrombosis, lymphatic blood flow obstruction, and other conditions, leakage ascites are produced. Also, peritoneal metastasis, vascular endothelial cell damage, or even malignant changes, can lead to increased vascular permeability, and then cause excessive water and other substances into the abdominal cavity to form ascites. In addition, Patients with nutritional consumption, cachexia, plasma colloid osmotic pressure, and other adverse conditions, will aggravate the formation of ascites. Sadly, the causes of these malignant ascites often exist at the same time. Although we divided the causes into three reasons, but in fact, the actual process is always more complicated than what we just described. But having malignant ascites usually means that the patient's condition has been very serious. Why can the ascites become a valuable model for studying the activity of oncolytic virus? Yeah, so in this ascites liquid, there is a mixture of tumor cells, non-cancer cells, and soluble factors. Together, they form a complex microenvironment, which can promote tumor growth, proliferation, and immune escape and promote chemotherapy resistance. Malignant ascites is an intraperitoneal effusion caused by disseminated cancer because it perfectly resembles many characteristics of the tumor microenvironment. It has become a valuable model for studying the activity of oncolytic virus. So how are malignant ascites obtained for experiments? We first identified the most common malignancies associated with the development of ascites are ovarian cancer, breast cancer, gastrointestinal cancer, and lung cancer. Malignant ascites can cause symptoms like fatigue, vomiting, anorexia, shortness of breath, and asthma, abdominal distension, edema of the foot and back, and decreased tolerance of daily activities. In order to alleviate the symptoms, Patients regularly drain excess fluid through puncture. The volume of ascites collected by this method can reach several liters, so they are easy to obtain. If it is not used for experimental research, it will be discarded. But you also mentioned the composition of ascites is quite complex, containing a variety of cells and factors. Is it possible to isolate each component you are looking for from the mixture? Oh yeah. We can use some technical means to separate these components. 
the primary tumor cells isolated from ascites, may exist in the form of single cells or aggregates, and can reproduce in vitro. As a model system, it can better simulate the patient's condition than a mortalized cell line. That's nice. So what have you found from the cancer cells isolated from ascites? I think some studies have found that ascites cancer cell subsets show cancer stem cell-like features. They have enhanced proliferation and resistance to chemotherapy. Other than testing the cancer cells, what else do you test from these ascites? Like is testing cancers cell enough for us to get information on the therapeutic effect of oncolytic virus? Definitely, other cells need to be tested as well. Ascites fluid also contains a series of non-cancer cells, such as cancer-related fibroblasts, mesenchymal stem cells, bone marrow-derived suppressor cells, M2-like macrophages, and T lymphocytes which together affect the behavior of tumor cells and response to treatment. And there are also various factors in ascites we need to test. The acellular part of malignant ascites is rich in pro-inflammatory chemokines, interleukin-6, interleukin-8, interleukin-10, and other cytokines, as well as pro-survival factors, pro-angiogenic factors, and extracellular matrix fragments. Wow, with so many factors in cells, ascites are really complicated. I guess these properties make malignant ascites a particularly attractive model for studying oncolytic virus replication. Right, and not just oncolytic viruses. Ascites are also a good model to study viruses that encode therapeutic transgenes. Because many cell subsets in the tumor microenvironment can be targeted. And finally, how do you characterize the activity of oncolytic virus? There are three important steps. We first separate and store malignant ascites cells and non-cell components, including one that removes the red blood cells from the cell section. Then we perform flow cytometry to characterize the cells. And lastly, we use a simple experiment to evaluate the activity of oncolytic adenovirus expressing bispecific T-cell conjugation protein, using whole ascites. Thanks Jensen for sharing your experience and expertise on oncolytic virus with us. And thanks everyone for listening today. We will continue our discussion next week.